Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another empowering episode of Healthy Mind, Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we have a truly remarkable guest joining us. Please give a warm welcome to Robert White. So, Robert is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh like with your extensive experience as a mentor, entrepreneur, trainer, author and the public speaker. so you bring a wealth of knowledge and wisdom to our conversation so from this like can you tell us more about your journey and how you have helped countless individuals break through barriers to success you know avik before i do that i want to acknowledge this that beautiful warm introduction and um you know as i've gotten older and i get these wonderful introductions that sometimes i can't wait to hear what i have to say you know it's been so, so such a, a praiseworthy uh, introduction uh, of course in my life i've had a few uh, uh you know one expression potholes in the road you know moments when i was forced to really take a look at myself and uh, how i created a mess either in my personal life or my business life but uh i've uh, i've been really blessed is how i really feel uh even with those problems uh when i was uh, 27 years old uh, i had really made a mess of my life uh you know in in secondary school i was chosen most likely to succeed <laughs> and uh, uh in a class of 300 and that's a nice honor and i spent that next 10 years making my classmates wrong for electing me as most likely to succeed i had an early marriage and a divorce i felt horribly guilty about it i had uh, a fairly severe health problem i was i had had three heart attacks and i was experiencing daily chest pain and i had been told i would die by the time i was 35 and uh and then i had a failing business small business that was not doing well okay and a friend of mine went out to california and went through uh, attended as a student in one of the early human potential movement seminars and he came back and right in front of my eyes i saw his life change for the better mm-hmm. and i re- he told me i should go do this training and i resisted and made him wrong <laughs> speaking of making people wrong uh but finally i couldn't ignore his results uh, any longer 
And I attended that little simple four-day training program called Mind Dynamics. Hmm. And, uh, and it sounds like a cliche all these years later, but uh, my life changed for the better. My business got better. My health got better. My relationships got better. And it started me on a journey of both discovery and of accomplishment. So, you know, I ended up uh, becoming president of Mind Dynamics and running the business of that business. But along the way, I did go through the instructor training. I started reading, reading differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually right now, I'm rereading a book that I haven't read for 30 years. Uh, it's called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment, <laughs> a, a really wonderful little book. Uh, but everything changed for me in terms of my attention. And I started waking up, I think would be a simple way of putting it. And um, that led to, you know, founding and leading two companies of my own with a million three hundred thousand graduates. And uh, so my main strength is is on building something like that and working with trainers, working with managers to reach more people. Exactly. That's that's uh, truly remarkable, I would say. And uh, uh, this thing, which I also feel like uh, this is this is a life and uh, we fall down and again, we need to rise up. So, yes, that's a that's a great learning, I would say. And um, so, Robert, like the ability to uh, guide individuals through their um, self-imposed limitations is a transformative gift. So. Could you could you share an example or maybe a success story also uh, of someone who with whom you have worked uh, to, and overcome the significant barriers and achieved a remarkable success? Avik, I've had the privilege of working directly with many many people over the years, but primarily working with trainers and consultants mm-hmm. and fulfilling a leadership role has been my my primary activity and. Uh, But something that I have learned in working with people is to look at my strengths and to build on those as opposed to paying attention to my weaknesses. And what I've learned about me is that my strength is an interruption. And it's around uh, in terms of a kind of a, a tool that anyone can use and that perhaps it would be valuable to share with your listeners is that uh, being an interruption can just be rude can be you know being an unpleasant person but what i'm talking about is being a committed listener this is somebody that listens to a friend to a family member but they listen through a filter of knowledge that they know that other person's purpose in living they know their vision for their future their family for their work they know their values they know what's important to them Uh, You know, and I'm talking about not generalized aspirational values, but your real values, the ones that if they were violated, it would really offend you. Uh, If you know that other person's purpose is vision or her vision values and also what they're up to in the world, what they're committed to, uh, the kind of more fancy term for it is strategic intent. What are what's their intention in their lives? If you know those things and you're listening carefully to that other person, 
you then can be an interruption in the highest sense of that word. Because if they're if they're speaking, if they're acting in ways that are inconsistent with their purpose, vision and values and strategic intent, your job as a human being, if you are an aware and committed person yourself and committed to that relationship, is to stop them, is to interrupt them. And first of all, gently point out that that doesn't seem consistent with who I know you to be and what you want in your life. Mm -hmm. And if they don't respond to that, to be less than polite, perhaps, and to be an interruption in the kind of abrupt sense of that word. Uh, I think that's something that I do well. I don't know where it came from. I actually don't. <laughs> it seems to have always been with me in some form. And I have learned some skills around it. But it, it starts with uh, waking up myself to any gap between my purpose, my vision, my values, and how I'm acting. And then noticing that whenever I do that with another person, it is a contribution. Uh, and it is where I've made the biggest difference in terms of shifting people to being more effective. Wow, that's um, like wise words. And thank you for sharing your expertise and uh, insights into the transformative power of breaking through barriers to success. So it's, it's, it's been an enlightening conversation, I would say. And I'm sure like listeners will find great inspiration in your words. And uh, so that's, that's not the end. Like we are about to start. So just, it's just for the listeners. I want to mention that uh, like um, there is a lot more questions, a lot more things to, we need to uh, listen to today. So um, stay tuned. And so Robert, like uh, before uh, we get uh, deeper into this topic, can you share your perspective on the importance of leadership in different areas of life, like including the family, the work, and the community? That's a great question, Avik. I believe personally that we have had a sea change in our culture world, worldwide. If you go back to the 50s, 1950s, the 1960s, if you were a good manager of your family, a good manager of your company, a good manager in your community, if you became known as a good manager, your future was assured and it, and it will work. And one of the conditions that was present at that time was that management was kind of a new idea, uh, a way of organizing people in cities, you know, where in the past, totally agrarian societies, you didn't need much management. You just need to handle your your crops and your animals and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But as we got together in cities and started uh, having a need for a greater level of organization, that's that whole science of management. Now, I'm not an expert of, about manager. I've been, I guess, uh, reasonably intelligent enough so that I hire good managers <laughs> in my companies and get out of their way and let them do what they're good at. Uh, leadership is a different thing because the culture and it's called for because the culture has radically changed. We are living in a world right now that is changing so rapidly as to it makes one dizzy 
It actually can knock you off your feet. It's so rapid. And of course, technology gets a lot of attention and there is a lot, you know, an awesome amount of change because of technology. But our families are also changing. You know, I grew up in a relatively smaller town where, uh, you know, my father bought a new car every two years from the same dealership and the same salesman. That we knew the people in our neighborhood. Uh, I, I once scaled a fence when I, I believe I was about eight years old. I climbed over a fence into a neighbor's yard to steal apples from his tree. And uh, I, I had forgotten something kind of in my planning was not good because, you know, after you stuff your pockets uh, with apples, it's very difficult to climb back over the fence. <laughs> and uh, he caught me. And he grabbed me by the arm and he marched me over to my home and and told my mother that I had been a thief and that she needed to discipline me. All right. I, you know, just a little story from my childhood. Yeah. I don't know about in India, but in America today, if that happened, it just wouldn't happen. Would would uh, somebody climb over a fence and steal some apples? Yes. Would they get caught? Yes. But the homeowner, the owner of the apple tree would not dream of, first of all, of touching me because there'd be some lawsuit and a criminal charge. He wouldn't dream of taking me to my door and confronting my mother. So that's an example of change, even for families and at every level of society. Uh, and what's called for when you have a rapid amount of change is not management but leadership, because managers plan and organize and control. That doesn't work well in a fast-changing environment. And what we need to do is to come forward, not listening to being told what to do, but rather to look at our purpose, vision, and values, and from that place, start influencing our families, start influencing our workplace, start influencing our communities. And the way you do that is by leading, by stepping out, by taking some risks, by being clear about what you want to create, about getting better at communicating so that people will follow you. And uh, the whole culture has changed. And if you're still trying to control everything, you're going to be left behind. Mm -hmm. uh, management is is still important and, and i i love and respect people that do it well however what's really called for if you want to progress in life and also just even if you don't want to progress so much as just play your part and contribute what's needed is leadership exactly exactly true so what are some of the key qualities or the attributes that make a successful leader regardless of the setting or the context? I, I believe that's a long list. Uh, I'd like to, though, maybe start out by exploding a commonly held belief that just isn't true. And that is the idea that some people are born leaders and some people are not. Uh, I, I believe that's an excuse. That's a way of avoiding responsibility for your life. Mm -hmm. And that uh, the style of leadership can vary widely. 
uh, I remember that uh, I read a book a number of years ago that was about leadership and they made the point that there's a very large chain of uh, of pharmacies, of drugstores in America called Walgreens. And this author made the point that nobody knew the name of the, of the chief executive officer. And this was during a time when all of these CEO types were appearing on the cover of magazines and being featured on television interviews. And Walgreens was one of the most successful companies in America, thousands of stores all over the US, hugely profitable, a good reputation, and nobody knew who the CEO was. And so I dug in a little bit to find out about this man. And what I learned is he was just like me. He was a, a very severe introvert, mm -hmm. but he was very thoughtful. He cared about his people and he enforced the purpose, vision and values of that company. Uh, I've I've been quoted and I did write this originally that the only role of a chief executive officer is the uh, is to foster the creation the communication and the maintenance of an aligned purpose, vision, and values for the corporation. Now, I think that's true for families. I think that's true for communities, any organization. And the key word there is maintenance. Mm -hmm. And that is that, that you really watch as a leader, you watch your family, you watch your company, you watch your community. And what you're looking for, the filter that you're looking through is are they aligned are they focused and are they committed to what they say they're committed to uh you know if your son or daughter says uh i want to be a, a sports star i want to play cricket with the very best do you notice i had i, I have just that one reference for india <laughs> in my in my comment <laughs> uh if your child says that i really want to be a cricket star but uh, they sleep in in the morning mm. and uh, they don't watch their diet and they're not doing stretching and strength building. Great. Well, what's the parent's role? It's not to tell them what to do. Uh, you know, let's say they're a teenager at that point. Uh, you don't tell them what to do. You just point out the gap. Look, it's OK with me if you don't want to be a cr cricket star. Mm. No problem. But your behavior right now doesn't match what your words are saying. That little exercise in, in families, in companies, when behavior does not match your professed standard uh, and in your community with, you know, politicians and the people that run companies and people that run nonprofits, uh, are they walking their talk? Are you walking your talk? Uh, that's the kind of that, that's a very simple awareness uh, practice. Uh, you know, you can you can get that through meditation, through prayer, through a walk in the woods, you know, through going for a swim. There are many ways to get to that clarity. But uh, the leader's job is to point that out and to point it out with love and care and with a solution. Uh, you know, to a suggestion of a different way of acting and being in the world. Uh, it's not 
uh, complicated. It's also not easy. Uh, Avic, I have a, a, a book that I wrote after being <laughs> told to write a book for 20 years. Okay. And I had all, I had so many excuses. They were quite creative, my excuses. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I finally did write the book and it's done quite well. And then when when you first introduce the book, you hire a public relations company, a marketing company, and they send you around the, the world, really, to be interviewed on radio and on television and by print journalists. Okay. And they send a copy of the book ahead for someone to read and formulate, hopefully, serious questions. So uh, I did that. And it's it's exhausting because you travel every day uh, again and again and again. And almost always the interviews are the same. Yeah. Uh, but what was interesting to me was that one sentence in or one thought in the book was always picked up by the interviewer to ask me about. And that sentence is that uh, life is difficult. This uh, or life is excuse me, that life is simple. This does not mean it's easy. Life is simple, it, it, but that does not mean it is easy. And for many, many people, they live their lives in the exact opposite way. They think life is complicated and it should be easy. That's a trap. You know, the great teachers throughout history have said the same thing. You know, that, uh, you know, the Buddhists say that uh, uh, all of life is suffering, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Heidegger's and all these famous uh, existential philosophers say that uh, life is hard and then you die. Uh, it's just you know, kind of a severe way of saying it. Um, in Canada right now, there is a professor that's getting a lot of attention as a kind of uh, thought leader, uh, public thought leader, uh, Jordan Peterson. And he says life is tragic. And our job is to figure out the tragedy and exist within it. Life, uh, uh, life is actually quite simple. Lao Tzu or Confucius or Jesus Christ or Muhammad. Uh, I'm sure you can quote some great Hindu teachers. They've been telling us how to live for thousands of years. It's actually pretty simple. Anybody can learn the tips for a good life or to be a good leader or to be a good person. Uh, it's just not easy. Mm -hmm. It requires some sacrifice, maybe some pain, some risk taking. Uh, you know, most of us know something in our life that we need to change. And then we have a series of excuses why we don't make those changes. All right, that's that's how we live our lives. It's not complicated. It's just hard. Yes, exactly. So, uh, like, uh, it, you have actually uh, mentioned it correctly. But, uh, so how can an individual develop their leadership skills and become effective agents of change in their families, workplaces, or wherever it is? You know, I... I offer a gift whenever I make this kind of an appearance. 
which is uh, I do a weekly email called an extraordinary minute. Okay. It's an idea from someone else, a quote, uh, a verse from a song or a poem, something that attracted my attention. Okay. And then I make a short comment about it. And, and it's called an extraordinary minute because it's all designed to be read in one minute or less. Okay. And uh, uh, so if people are, have interest in that, they can go to my website, therobertwhite.com. And uh, under resources, they can sign up for that free weekly email. Okay. Well, at the same time, you receive a gift. And the gift is the result of a study that I did many years ago. And then I have rewritten this many, many, many times. Uh, I've lost the number of edits that I've made to it. And But what it revolves around are what I call the eight principles. And you or any of your listeners are familiar with every one of those eight principles. But it, uh, it, if you want to do a check-in to find out what's next for you in terms of what you should work on to become a leader, that's a good start. It's that little, it's a 28-page PDF. Uh, once you receive it, it's shareable. You can send it to your friends or family. Uh, you can use it. Uh, many people use it as a study group. Uh, but what it came from was that years ago when we were starting our training business and we started having some success and thousands of people are coming to these programs mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, we had a, a money back guarantee. If you did the training and you didn't get what you expected, we would refund the fee. And we tracked that, uh, and over a 17 year period. 1.7% ask for a refund. Okay. And uh, we considered that too high, <laughs> you know, because we we're excited about our work, but actually it's quite low. And uh, uh, so it was well-received. People liked the program. Their lives got better as mm -hmm. a result of going through the program. But I started noticing something that this 98% plus are getting real value. But some people were taking the training and then producing amazing results. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, the, the uh, there was a um, an F1 driver, you know, these super fast cars that race around the track, Formula One. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a Japanese driver. He was actually the only Japanese driver the only Japanese team, which was Honda, and he was their driver, and he had never placed in the top 10. And now it's still good publicity, I suppose, for Honda. So, you know, everybody's okay about it. So he comes to our training, and uh, but he had, you know, these incredible skills and incredible focus and just a lot of great qualities. And he comes to our training, and after the training, he wins a Formula One race, the first Japanese driver ever to win a, a race. And uh, so a lot of good publicity for us because he acknowledged our role in that. But my point is that these some very powerful people came to our training. Uh, actually, I'm saying that the wrong way. Some people came to our training and then accomplished incredible things after the program. Uh, so we studied that and we interviewed more than 1,000 people and asked them 
you know, just a lot of deep questions about their patterns, their attitudes, their habits. Yeah. And what we learned was that the their secret to success was that they came into our training with a set of principles that served them well in the training and in the rest of their life. But they weren't any different in our training than they were being in the rest of their life. So those are that's where the eight principles came from, from studying successful people, not because I'm brilliant or someone on our staff was brilliant. We just put down in writing what they told us. So an example would be uh, the first principle is to become absolutely clear and specific about what you want in life. And, you know, you can ask a lot of people what they want and get very vague uh, kind of fuzzy answers. Uh, 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 there are a lot of people going through life and they're not clear about what they want. Uh, how about telling the truth? So one of the principles is to be rigorously honest, radically honest. Uh, that That's a key to success. Uh, one of them is to participate 100%. Get out of the bleachers, out of the spectator seats, onto the field. Don't just have an opinion about things. Get engaged in that thing uh, and uh, become an expert at it. Uh, so there's things like that. The final one, by the way, is commitment. And I've often said that if you ignore the first seven and, and really experience commitment in your life, uh, your life's going to turn out very well. So there are, uh, again, it's nothing new. There's nothing I just said that is a surprise to you or to any of your listeners. These are things we know. We know we should tell the truth. We know we should be clear about what we want. We know we should participate at 100%. We know we should take personal responsibility. Uh, we know that we should play the game of life in a win-win way. So those are, you know, just quickly, I'm thinking of the eight principles. Uh, we already know it, uh, but yeah. sometimes we don't practice it. Exactly. So, uh, how can leaders navigate the conflicts and the resistance when implementing the change initiatives? What do you say? You know, the first part, of, that's a great question, Avik. And, and the first part of my answer is not a popular answer. And that is to let go of being liked. Let go of being liked. Now, I don't know the... Uh, culture around social media mm -hmm. in India. But here in America, it operates a lot on affirmation, on being liked. I mean, the little button that you punch on Facebook actually says like. And uh, my experience is that I have a lot of weaknesses. I'm still undisciplined sometimes. I struggle with my weight. Uh, I've... Uh, I've been remarkably good at getting married. I've been remarkably bad at staying married. You know, I have some real faults, but I think I have a, a an organizing strength that has served me very well. And that is, I actually don't care what you think of me. I don't care if you like me. Mm. That gives me the freedom to tell the truth. 
that gives me the freedom to do what I know I need to do in the world to take me to the next step. And uh, I get a lot of disapproval. I get a lot of people that don't like me. Uh, but I also have a lot of people that respect me. So I think if people can move from wanting to be liked to wanting to be respected, demanding to be respected, that's a good first step in terms of uh, adopting the state of being that leads to being a good leader. You know, I mentioned that CEO of Walgreens, the depart the uh, drugstore, the pharmacy, and his demand was that he lived his life and he lived his leadership role in a way that demanded respect, not affection. You know, there, there's a an old. Uh, I've spent 23 years of my life living abroad uh, in Asia, living in Japan and Hong Kong and mainland China, and so I've learned a lot about Asian culture, and. Uh, a kind of uh, wisecrack, you know, like a humorous statement that comes out of a really deep learning from Zen Buddhism is that if you want a warm feeling, take a bath. If you want a warm feeling, take a bath. If you're looking for that warm feeling from the people around you, always wanting to be liked, always wanting to be approved of, you're you're probably not going to make much progress. Exactly. That's something great, I would say. So uh, also, like, are there any specific leadership practices uh, that you believe are uh, important for fostering the positive change in family dynamics? Look, it's not uh, it's not from me. It's in a lot of books and it's a lot of lectures and a lot of speakers, a lot of trainers. And uh, I think it all starts with developing a mastery level of uh, communication, yeah. which in, and which begins with not how you speak, not how you write, but how you listen. Yeah. And that most people are listening to respond instead of listening to really hear the other person and understand them. And, uh, you know, when we uh, train trainers, one that's one of the things we look for. Mm. Does that person have the capability to listen uh, and really hear the other person and understand the meaning behind the words? Uh, without that, our our trainers don't get promoted and they don't get they don't keep their jobs. Um, yeah. But for the average person, most people, in fact, listen so they can respond. Uh, and and if you if you do deep interviews of even very famous people, mm. one of the interesting things you find out is they do not feel heard. Yeah, they don't feel like anybody understands them. Uh, you know, because people don't listen, and they're right; people don't listen to them. They have a, a some kind of an image of that person that powerful person or that famous person. And they're speaking to that image, not to the real person. And they're listening to the image, not to the real person. Uh, the, uh, uh, you know, here in America, the uh, National Basketball Association just had their championship. And there was a there's a player 
I actually cannot pronounce his last name. Yanis, uh, and the last name is Greek. And he grew up in Greece. And he's one of the three or four best players in the entire league. His team was eliminated very early in the championship rounds. So reporters are asking him about how he's going to handle failure. And his answer was brilliant. I mean, this guy could teach philosophy in in a class I would want to go to because his answer was, uh, if you look at this season, they didn't win the championship, but it's a process and it might take several years. And he said, does that mean I'm a failure on that journey? And of course, the answer is no, you're not a failure. You're doing your best. You know, you didn't win this year, but you're a very good player and your team is a very good team and they're in a process. Maybe they'll win next year. Uh, but he was so clear that he was not going to accept that judgment that he was a failure. He just it, it just refused it. And uh, I didn't know much about him before I saw that interview. But I kind of fell in love, you know, instantly. <laughs> now I want to follow him. I want to, I want to follow his journey. I want to learn from him. Not about basketball. I'm too old and slow and short <laughs> to, to qualify for basketball. But I want to learn because of the way he thinks. Um, I want to be around people like that. Uh, which is actually part of the answer to your question is yeah. take a look at the people you're spending your time with. Exactly. I mean, I'm on this, I'm on this program, Avic, because I read about you. I want to spend time with you because you're studying things that I'm interested in and you're working in an area that fascinates me. You know, I don't teach meditation as an example, but I'm a student so I want to be around people that know more than I do about uh, having a practice, a spiritual practice. Uh, I'm good on the practical side of things. I'm less good on the spiritual side. So I'm learning. I want to be around people that who I can learn from in an area that I need to learn. Uh, you know, there's a very famous book in English called uh, Think and Grow Rich, written mm -hmm. maybe 60 years ago, I think. Okay. Uh, by Napoleon Hill. And in that book, he says that if you want to evaluate yourself and your future, take a look at the five people that you spend the most time with. Because you will adjust to them. Mm. Your income, he says, your income will be within 10% plus or minus of their average income. So if you want to make more money, hang out with rich people would be an example of that, of his coaching. <laughs> uh, That's truly said, I, I would say, because yes, so uh, uh, which I also believe like uh, our uh, surrounding, our neighbor, our uh, or the environment where we spend our lot of time actually impacts uh, our uh, the energy inside us. And that is the reason we get attracted to that. So if you're if you're mostly into uh, a positive uh, environment, so definitely some, something positive will definitely come to us. 
and if you are again with the bad circle or maybe uh, into the environment which is more negative uh, rather than positive so then definitely we can uh, expect some negative things to us as well so yes then definitely it's, uh, what you have mentioned is exactly true so yeah and, and uh, also like uh, so before before we wrap up like what do you envision uh, as the future of leadership and how do you believe uh, it it will continue to shape and empower the change in various spheres of life uh, you know the uh, a friend of mine is a genius teacher about the power of beliefs okay and uh uh so I learned from I've learned a lot from him mm -hmm. uh, and he's learned a bit from me about running his business. So it's a it's a good trade. And uh, the thing about our belief system is that most of it, unfortunately, for most people, our belief system is somewhat in place by the time we're eight or 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And but it's buried in my book. We use a little visual of the iceberg you know, that you only see about 8% of, of an iceberg. And uh, the 92% is underwater. And of course, the classic question is, what sunk the Titanic? You know, the big ship disaster. It wasn't the visual, visual part of the iceberg. It was the part under the water that they could not see. That's what hit the boat, or the boat, boat hit that. Uh, and it's the same for our beliefs. Most of them are unconscious. Uh, sometimes something will happen where they get revealed. Uh, uh, you know, I, I like to communicate with stories, Avic, and I'll share this one very personal story. Uh, again, back to my secondary school. Uh, my father died when I was 14, and I chose my family moved away uh, for financial reasons, they needed to reduce their their overhead. My mother did. Uh, so she and my two brothers and my sister moved back to the southern part of America. And I stayed in the northern part. And I had this job in radio. I, and I made more money at 17 years old than my father ever made in a year. And I graduated six, number six, out of 300 students. And I was named most likely to succeed. So I telephoned my mother. And at that time, mm -hmm. telephone charges were very high. Yes. You know, and so it was very rare. So, but I was proud of what had happened for me. So I telephoned her and I said, I'm, I'm graduating number six out of 300. Mm -hmm. And her immediate words were, why aren't you number one? Now, you could spend days, weeks, months, years with my mother, yet, or you could just hear that story to know who she was. Uh, she never saw anything positively. Everything was a negative. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so in my book, uh, when it first came out and it was very popular and, and some people I really respect loved it, uh, and bought copies for their families and all of that. And I felt so good. But then people started saying, but I'm disappointed in one thing. So, of course, I want to know, <laughs> what, what about my book disappoints you? 
And they would say, well, the book is not about your life, Robert. It's called Living an Extraordinary Life. I thought it would be about your life. And I said, no, no, it's about the people that come to our seminars and how they interact with the ideas in the seminar. Uh, the kind of like the before, the during, and the after stories of our graduates. Uh, I said, the book is not about me on very purposefully. It's not about me. Uh, but there was one chapter about me, Vivi. Okay. And just recently, I've been admitting this. It's some. I, th I have a feeling it's good for me to talk about it. The name of the chapter is The Most Limiting Belief in the World. And that belief is you are not enough. You are not enough. You don't have enough education. You don't have enough capital. You don't have enough uh, charm. Uh, you don't have enough personality. You don't have pretty enough. You're not enough. And it's it's the we have different excuses, but any of those limiting beliefs will stop us, or at least blunt us. Will prevent the full expression of our beauty, of our capability, of our intelligence, of our spirit, of God's gift to us. And uh, that book is about that chapter is about me, and I know where it came from. I've done enough work on myself. I've seen enough therapists. I've been to enough trainings, and it's just maybe in the last five years where I I can say to myself and mean it, I'm enough. Yes, I have a lot of faults, but I also have a lot of gifts. Exactly. And I can't let those faults dominate me. Um, but, you know, most of our beliefs are buried. They're in our subconscious. Mm -hmm. But they, if you really watch yourself, if you really increase your level of noticing, of awareness, if you spend enough time in prayer in kind of a purposeful way and enough time in meditation and allow that question to be there, who am I? What's my life about? Why did God put me here? You know, and if you're present to the answers, and I believe with all my heart that the answer is within you. Uh, it's within me. Uh, it's it's not something we learn from outside. Uh, no book, no video, no podcast can tell you who you are. Only you can discover that. Uh, and and to learn to tell the truth about that and take responsibility for it. When you take personal responsibility for all of you, mm. that's when you get your power. Exactly. That's where power comes from. Exactly. Great. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing um, and joining us today and sharing your profound insights on the leadership and empowering the change in family, work, and the community. So also, like, uh, I must admit your wisdom and expertise have definitely shed light on the transformative power of effective leadership and its impact on uh, creating a positive change. So, and for the listeners also, I would just mention, like, always remember that leadership is not limited to uh, title or the position. So each and every one of us has the potential to be a leader and uh, make a difference in the lives of those around us. So by embracing the qualities of empathy, communication, 
resilience we can definitely unleash our own leadership potential and empower change in our families workplaces communities or anywhere so as we conclude this episode of healthy mind and healthy life we encourage you to reflect on the valuable lessons and the insights shared today take action and apply them to your own life becoming the catalyst for positive transformation so together let us cultivate a world where empowered leaders inspire and uplift others and creating a ripple effect of meaningful change so if you have found this episode worthy don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share it with others who may benefit from these empowering discussions so your support means the world to us so thank you for joining us today and until next time continue nurturing your mind and leading with purpose for a healthy and fulfilling life so thank you so much